2 Kings 3, we, we've got this story where um, the region of Edom is, uh, not that, that's not Edam, the cheese, it's a, a region to the, to the east of the River Jordan, if you think of your map of Israel. They were rebelling against Israel, and so Israel and Judah and Moab end up coming together, and they're just coming down under Moab and ganging up on, um, it, don't worry about it, it's all right. It's all right, don't worry about it now, because it'll distract me more than doing it. Thanks, Lucy, don't worry. Um, uh, uh, Moab, uh, Israel and Judah are coming around to fight against Edom. Edom, Edom, you're going to have to help me now. Help me get my concentration back. And um, essentially, they're out in the desert. They're running out of water, and they're all being a bit miserable, like, like the Israelites often can when they find themselves in the desert without water. And they're fighting away. Now, let me see what verse it would have come up on the screen. They call Elisha. Essentially, one of them goes, is there not a prophet? And then somebody went, well, Elisha is around, and he used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. If you want the calling of God to come on your life, go serve someone with the the call of God on their lives yes. right number one it'll bless in Elijah's case it'll bless the worn out prophet oh thank goodness somebody wants to be nice to me and as they literally put it pour water on my hands but listen while you're being nice and serving someone else's calling rather than obsessing about your own God is lining you up for blessing oh yabba dabba do turn to person next you say don't be so self-obsessed Tell them, be others obsessed and God will get obsessed with you, right? He, he leads you through by leading you to. He brings you to people that you, you receive something in your life by giving something to them and something begins to happen in that interaction and life begins to flow. And none of this is my sermon, but it sounds good, so I'm preaching it anyway. So they call Elisha. Now Elisha's in a bit of a bad mood because he doesn't like everyone that's gathered. So 2 Kings 3 and verse 14, it says, Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, if I didn't have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, who evidently liked, King of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. Uh, he was irritable, if you get the context of the story. Uh, nothing worse than an irritable prophet. Anybody? And then it says, now bring me a harpist. Here's an important thing. Understand, as believers, we need to learn to change atmospheres. Do you ever wake up irritable? Everybody here that's, that's married and your married partner is with you, you can't lie at this moment. Everybody that hasn't got their married partner or is single here in the room is going, no, I ne never really wake up irritable. But all the husbands and wives are nudging each other going, yeah, right. <laughs> we, we need to let this prophet knew in this state, I cannot activate heaven. So bring me a harpist. Let's change the atmosphere. So a harpist comes and begins to play his electric guitar, as you can appreciate they had in those days. While the harpist was playing, 2 Kings 3, 15 says, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. Let me read that again. Think it through. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. You know, sometimes a lot of Christians have this kind of que sera, sera, sovereign will of God. If it happens, it happens attitude that wasn't Elisha he said I'm going to change the atmosphere and see what happens he changed the atmosphere merely through music and the hand of God came upon him what's the atmosphere like in your house change it it, it, it's, it, there's vibrations of anger there's vibrations of frustration there's vibrations of shouting and irritability change it you choose what is going to attract the hand of God or attract some other hands into your house Right? 
And here he called on a harpist and he begins to play. And the hand of God comes upon Elisha and he says this. Uh, and he said, this is what the Lord says. Dig ditches. For this is what the Lord says. You will say neither rain nor uh, wind. Yet this valley will be filled with water and you, your cattle and your other animals will drink. Remember, they were thirsty. They were wanting to drink. This is an easy thing. Everybody say easy thing. Everybody say easy like a Sunday morning. Oh, you're so good. I'm just keeping you awake. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs and ruin every good field with stones. The next morning about the time for the offering of the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom. And the land was filled with water. Josephus, who was a Roman Jewish historian, said, uh, and, and this, is, this is hundreds if not thousands of years ago when he was writing, the, he said of this time that as Elisha was prophesying over the horizon somewhere, they couldn't hear it, they couldn't see it, but he knew it spiritually, there was a storm brewing. And it rained on the land beyond the horizon because he says, you're not, you're not going to see it, you're not going to hear it, but over the horizon it's raining. Something's on its way and you need to begin to prepare for what's on the way. I want to say this morning, guys, something's on the way and we need to be preparing for what's on the way. You don't prepare when, it's, when it arrives because if you prepare when it arrives, you lose it. You don't get the full blessing of it. But he says here, dig ditches, water's coming. Dig ditches, something's flowing in our direction. Dig ditches because God's about to move. Prepare yourself, prepare your home, prepare your finances, prepare your heart because something is about to shift. I've been talking about our place currently, the world right now in global history. We're at one of those 500 year markers on the 31st of October, uh, 1517, Martin Luther stamped those 90 five theses, those questions and propositions to the church. And a reformation began in the church that gives you the kind of church you had today. Speaking in tongues, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, seeing miracles. You didn't have that 600 years ago, but a reformation has taken place. And if you follow history, you'll know that at around every 500 year marker, something remarkable takes place. We are at a 500 year marker. You've been born in the time of a 500 year year marker. There is some shift going on in the world today. And if you knew what was happening globally in the church, you would go, we are living in extraordinary days. I'm not going to sit in Cineworld with my little red seats and my air conditioning going, well, this is okay. It's our little whole world. No, something remarkable is going on in the world. And I would say to anyone, wake up, wake up, wake up, dig ditches, dig ditches. Don't just live your little life. I think sometimes we think life is this. This is the trick of the dullness of life. I earn money to pay rent. And if I'm lucky, pay a mortgage. And one day I get to enjoy it when I'm retired. And that's life. <laughs> Come on, growl with me. <laughs> See, so that's not life, is it? Don't fall for it. Just a bit more overtime. Just a bit more overtime. Just a bit more. Don't fall for it. I'll spend my life 
trying to earn stuff that doesn't bring me happiness. It just gives me the capability to do certain things. But you get to choose what things. And if, if you're not, I mean, was it? I read some quotes by Steve Job, Jobs. Was it Steve Jobs this week talking about he was lying on his deathbed and he realized what a vanity it all was to be so rich and so unhappy. Live life. You are living in an extraordinary season. Go on mission. Feed the poor. Change a life. Do something extraordinary. Now, if we're going to have these wild thoughts, who wishes they could break out? I know anybody when you were 17, you had the thought that you could do anything. Then just me, you're all looking at me really. You could do anything. I can be anything I want. An astronaut. It was either astronaut or bus driver. Or actually, when I was really young, it was waitress, but we won't go there. If you ever came to our new arrivals course, we used to say that. Who wanted to be a... People used to have to guess which leader in the room wanted to be a waitress when they grew up. And it was actually me. I was a little confused at five. Um, here, I really feel it's a moment in time for us to dig ditches. It turned around to this army who were qualified to fight and essentially went actually don't need your sword don't need your spear put them down pick up a spade and dig something divine is coming i sense something divine is coming when god is about to move there is often frustration distraction and dullness and so we need to wake ourselves up to go i wonder what the people of God would say. Let's change the atmosphere for a moment and not listen to, to, to the difficulties of our career, the, the weariness of trying to get the house on track and the kids up and the school run and changing another nappy and up all night. Anybody having those worlds? And you go, you're talking about, about God, I can barely get through the night at the moment. Listen, sometimes we've got to change the atmosphere, not fall into our pity parties and go, I wonder what God's saying. I wonder if God has something divine for me. Well, we know the story. They dug the ditches and rain flowed into the valley. Here's the wonderful thing. What they needed was water. But God wasn't only going to sustain them and meet their personal need. He was also going to use the very thing that sustained them to win the battle of their destiny. And so water flowed into the valley and they could drink and their horses can drink. And so they were happy. But then the story goes on that the enemy, Edom, came towards them and saw the sun glinting red on the fresh water and presumed that the three armies, Judah, Israel and Moab, had killed each other in the night. And so they ran in thinking, let's take plunder. And suddenly, of course, they were able, Israel and Judah and Moab, just to rise up and defeat the enemy and attack them back. Sometimes destiny is wrapped up in God doing something that just transforms you on the inside yes. destiny is wrapped up on the inside of us as a man thinks so is he we know that scripture our minds are defined our destiny is defined by the state of our minds somebody in the room said Lord help me what about guard your heart for out of it flow all the issues of life our hearts and our minds are incredibly powerful. And this is what I want to just share. I'm doing, I'm supposed to be doing a short one this morning, but let's see how we go. Um, our destiny is wrapped up in our hearts and our minds. And here's what I want to say. 
dig ditches in your heart and your mind. Don't just let it govern your life with the dullness and sometimes the filth, but I gotta be honest, the worst thing is often just the dullness and the grayness and the weariness and the busyness of the stuff of nine to five life. Dig into your mind. Let me share with you three things. If we, let's see if we get through the three. I might just get stuck on the first one. Let's, let's dig into three things and see how we go. Here's the first one. We need to, in this season, I believe, dig into the insecurities in our minds. If we don't limit insecurity, it ends up limiting us. If you can't contain the insecurity within you, it will put a fence around you and contain you and keep you from your destiny. Insecurities contain or we will contain them. I heard a, well, yes, I heard a speaker recently talking about this and he's an older pastor and a successful pastor and he teaches a lot on insecurity and he said, I realized this, insecurity was never going to go away. And he spoke to Joyce Meyer about insecurity and she said, yes, it never goes away. You either contain it or it contains you. Which are you going to do? We either be limited by what's going on in our brains. I could never be. I could never do. I'm not strong enough to. I'm not good enough to. I'm not capable of. All those thoughts are defining destiny every day. Yeah. Or we dig ditches into our souls and go, no. I believe God is a soul transforming God. I believe I can think better tomorrow than I'm thinking today. I believe a year from now I will think better, therefore I will live better. I believe anxiety can be overcome. I believe uh, that the, the, the pains inside of me can lessen. I believe that the limiting factors around my life can be defeated and I can break out. If not, insecurity will limit us. Dig into the insecurities. Become like Christ. I've talked before about imposter syndrome, really common, that often we'll sit in a room, whether it's the office or church like this, and think, well, everyone else is more spiritual than me, prays more than me, lives better than me, is on a higher plane than me. I'm just me. Because I reckon we all look at each other's headlines but forget each other's small prints. Right. Three directors were sat having lunch. One of them was new. It was a large company. And the one just opened up and blurted out as they were chatting away and getting a bit more honest. I'm just waiting for somebody to find out that I'm a fake and I can't do this job. And suddenly there was a pause. And the two other directors looked at each other and said, you too? <laughs> Feeling a fake is a very, very common thing. But listen, having the thought is just part of our brokenness. Letting it contain you is not understanding the gospel. The gospel is this, I might not be perfect, but I'm perfectly forgiven. Yeah. I might not be great, I might not be strong, I might be weak, but he's strong and he is in me. And if this gospel doesn't transform my mind, then what is it for? If this gospel doesn't bring peace to the storm inside me, then what is it for? If really Jesus has saved me so that I can go to heaven, but actually it doesn't change my destiny, then I would say that the gospel is fairly powerless. The gospel is supposed to affect our today. It's supposed to say to our hearts and our souls, peace, be still. 
Let me transform the inside of who you are. Let me show you that you're loved and that you're precious and that my goodness can rest upon your life. Don't be limited by your mind. No, believe in him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or think. You're able to do greater than my mind, greater than my thoughts. I'm not just who I think I am. I am who he says I am. And his goodness can rest on me. I might be a donkey. I might even be an ass. I like saying that word in church. But God can ride on the back of a young ass. Children, close your ears. (laughs) And come into the town of our homes and our lives going, you might be weak, but I am strong. Who needs to dig into some insecurities? Because here's the thing, if not, God will change a season and move in a certain way, but our minds will stop us recognizing it and stepping into God's best for us. We will live with all the limitations of, but I'm not, but I couldn't, but I'm too much this, I'm too, too much that. Insecurity does a strange thing inside of us. Two things that insecurity does. We all have it, let's not deny it for a moment. Everyone in this room is insecure. And we, we overcome it either by withdrawing or by domineering. It's the two ways we handle our insecurity. We're either too strong and too pushy and too in everybody's face because we're trying to overcompensate for what's really going on in our hearts or we withdraw and are contained. But oh, to be, listen to this phrase, or this is the phrase I'm envious of, comfortable in your own skin, alive with the truth of God, renewed in our minds so that we're transformed knowing deep inside whatever thought comes. We, 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 we've got to be able to say to the narration in our minds, I don't believe you. No, no, no. I'm going to take you captive. I'm going to put a jail around you before you put a jail around me. That's what he says to do. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And the inference, if you go right into the depths of the language there is, I'm going to speak to my thoughts and take them captive with words. And I'm going to make them obey me. If not, my mind is going to be a terrible master that keeps me from my destiny. Everyone in this room has to overcome insecurity. If you are going to live in the fullness of your destiny. All those limitations. I can't. I couldn't. But what about? I couldn't afford to. Are you going to really live your whole life within your means? Or are you going to start living within his means? That's the gospel. Come on. Are you going to live within what you think your skills can do? I'm not. I'm already way beyond what my skills can do. I'm living a called life. Anybody want to live it? Come on. Look at me. Get a glint in your eye. You're ever so quiet this morning. I'm coming for you. Live. Live within the strength of what he can do. How Dare we simply be the sum of our skills? Oh no. How's about us being trophies of grace? Trophies of mercy. Expressions of his kindness. How's about us bubbling over with the sheer joy of the goodness of the gospel? He loves me. He's for me. He's not against me. Dig ditches into your insecurities. Now is the time to renew our minds. The second thing we need to dig into is dig into team. Insecurity keeps us isolated. Dig into relationships. I feel this and in fact, I'm having quite a few conversations with quite a few people saying, you're either gotta go deeper at this point into relationships or go shallower. But the status quo of average relationships is not enough. 
And if you want to be on a good trajectory, go deeper. Do you know why? Because this is a gospel of baptism. It's a gospel of immersion. We're baptized in water. We're baptized, immersed into the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says we're baptized into his body. I'm immersed in it. Say immersed. Tell a person next to you, get immersed. Get immersed in relationships. Get immersed in friendships. Go deeper. The temptation is when you face a difficulty in relationships, the temptation is to go shallower. Anybody to withdraw. And I hear again and again the whisper of heaven. No, 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 no. Go deeper. Go deeper. Don't be a pot plant. Be rooted. Go deeper. There's something about going down into the dark soil. We were picking up acorns the other day. I forgot to bring one. Little seeds. And inside an acorn is an oak. And in fact, we bought a sideboard and it's, it's oak. It's in our kitchen at the moment. And I looked at the sideboard and I thought to myself, that was once an acorn and now it's a sideboard. <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> it's got chopped. It's got maneuvered. It's got sorted out. It, it's got pruned. Jesus said, you're clean because of the words I've spoken to. Literally means you're pruned because of how I've spoken to you. We need to be in relationships that prune us by how we speak to each other. And I don't mean in a nasty way. I mean, we need to go so deep that we can live in truth and the truth will set us free. Are you deep enough for real truth or are you still in the I'm fine relationships? How's about going so deep? We'll cry with each other. We'll struggle through stuff with each other. Pain-free progress is a myth. That's a great phrase, isn't it? Don't you love the preaching this morning? Pain-free progress. I want to be so deep that the wounds of a friend feel good. You know, I know I'm living real relationships. I'm not living the veneer, you know, the top layer. I'm sure some of this wood around me not a lot of wood around me but anyway some of this wood around me is veneer than this chipboard listen get through the veneer of relationships and head for the chipboard because when you start enjoying the chipboard you know you're in real relationship because can I tell you a secret we're all chipboard underneath chipboard saved by grace chipboard veneered by his his grace and his kindness that the, the ark of the covenant was it was wood but it was overlaid with gold uh, we're the wood bit he's the gold bit how's about getting so deep that we're in real relationships in team the third thing I would say to dig into, number one, dig into your insecurities. Why are they going to limit you if you don't? They will contain you if you don't contain them. Number two, dig into team because the future is in the people you hang around. And number three, dig into prayer. It's a time to listen to God. Be still and know that I'm God. The word still there literally means withdraw. It means drop. It means actually allow yourself to become weak. It's a little bit like uh, uh, Moses and then Joshua meet God and God says, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. In other words, take off your busyness, take off the symbol of authority. You're on holy ground. Let your busyness be naked before me. I've got something to say. And I would say this as I close. There is wisdom from God in the air right now. 
and it's time to hear the adjustments of heaven. We're in a season of adjustment, a season of transition, a season of moving from one place to the other. And I want to say, are you listening? Listen to what God is saying. There's something in the breezes of heaven that God wants to whisper into our ears. Yesterday, well, no, the day before, I just took an hour, opened a pad, got a pen, and I just went, God, I'm just listening. Because if not in the busyness, I'll just keep doing what I've always done. And then when I realize it's not working, instead of going, should I be doing this? I normally try and do it harder, get more frustrated, more sweaty, more irritated. When actually, if we are yoked to him, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. And we're just going, where are we going now? What are we doing next? Have you heard the next thing that God has for you? Let's stand in God's presence together. Have you heard the next thing that God has for you? Or are you running on? To be still and know means to sink, relax, withdraw. Be still. To be idle. To refresh. To refrain. To forsake. Just close your eyes for a moment. I want to bless your prayer lives as we close this morning. Father, I pray a refreshing blessing over every life in this room. I take authority over every discouraging device of the enemy, every wearying device of the enemy coming against people here. There's people discouraged and weary in this room. I pray right now the Holy Spirit comes to you and lifts your eyes. Father God, let there be a fresh touch of your presence over our lives right now let him fill you it's time to dig ditches dig into insecurities dig into relationships and team go deeper dig in prayer God let your voice wash over us there's some new horizons he want to give you there's some countries he wants to talk to you about there's areas of ministry you wouldn't even dream of that He wants to breathe over your life and speak to whispers from heaven to change you.